0: All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Misfit Nation. All right, let's welcome to the Misfit Nation, Jenna Ashland. She's a volunteer for Southern Ohio Survivor Advocacy Outreach Program, providing support and services to victims of abuse. She's a lover of animals of most types and spends her extra time being a mom and cuddling with her her 10-month-old cocker Spaniel. Welcome to the show, Jenna.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here.
0: Awesome. I'm glad we're uh, able to get connected, and uh, now we can get your story out here to the masses as much as possible. So if you would, uh, please tell the listeners of the Misfit Nation a little bit about you from as far back as you want to go to where we are now.
1: Well, I've always been a writer, and that wasn't such a good thing whenever you're growing up, because you tend to be a little unusual. but. um As I, as I grew up, you know, I went to college, I did some, some creative writing classes and stuff. And then um, I spent a lot of the time in the English department outside of class as well. But, you know, I grew up, I had kids, I got married, and writing became more of a therapeutic kind of a thing. And um, that was okay for a while. And then um, I ended up losing my husband whenever I was 30 years old, he died of a heart attack. And Um, I started writing for other reasons. I started writing to heal and I ended up in an abusive relationship. I didn't really realize it at first. I I mean, I definitely had an inkling, but I wasn't real sure what was going on. And as time went on, um, I started writing a book called Within the Gray, and that was kind of my way to cope. So I'd be sitting there on the couch and he's glaring at me because I'm not spending time with him. Um, even though I was right there. (laughs) And, you know, I started writing about, you know, what I wanted, you know, and, and someone to be supportive of me and everything. And so this book came out and it was, it was very metaphorical, but as I finished it, you know, I kind of set it to the side and I started writing another book and it was called Sheila's Men. And it comes out Um, it should be out now by the time this airs. And I started to tell the truth because within the gray was like, okay, this is what should have happened. Sheila's men is what actually happened. And as I started writing it, my life started to change. And I started to heal, even though he was still sitting right there. And I put the book away and I finished up within the gray. And six months later, whenever I picked it back up, I realized that, you know, the person that I was writing about and within the gray actually existed. And um, it was kind of like, I wrote him into existence. I know that's kind of a controversial thing to say, but if you believe in manifestation or the power of God, or however you want to look at it, because they kind of cross over a little bit, um, you know, he, he definitely exists. And he ended up being my support person as I went through the healing process and I started writing again and about halfway through the book, I realized it wasn't really about me anymore and it became a mission that I want to reach out to these people that think that they're crazy and they think that they're alone, whether it's a man or a woman, because it happens to both. It happens to a lot of people to be able to reach out to them and say, hey, you're not crazy, you're not alone. This is what's really happening. And it wasn't about me anymore. And because of that, I wrote Sheila's Men within six months, edited it as I went. Um, A few months later, it was done and I was scared. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm like, oh man, you know, it's kind of definitely one of those, everybody has skeletons in the closet. I just happened to open up the door, put a spotlight on it and said, here you go. So this is, you know, what really happened, and it's definitely become a mission to reach out to people, and that's um, one of the interesting things is as I escaped my abusive relationship, he had found a new target, and I got to know her, and I didn't blame her for anything, and I just kind of left those windows of communication open, because every once in a while she would ask me some questions, and then um, about a couple years into it, she, she kind of looked me up and she's like hey this is what's going on it this doesn't feel right I'm unhappy I want out of this situation and I talked to her and we kind of compared stories and and she heard more of my story because she was open to it at that point you know without me being the crazy ex and (laughs) um and it felt so good to reach out to her and to help her escape that I actually went to training um to become an an advocate in the state of Ohio. So I have that training and I'm on call once a week for the crisis hotline. And I've helped a lot of people out um, just through Facebook messenger or text messaging or phone calls, just people that I know, or that kind of, I don't really know that well, but like friends of a friend's or acquaintances that hear a little bit about me and I've been able to reach out to them and it's just been life-changing.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that's uh, amazing to give back after you went through the spiral of of the tumultuous relationship. You're now you're able to not just help those others that are going through it at the same time heal or try to get it out of it. It also helps you in your healing process as now you're able to stop it from happening to someone else. So I'm sure it, yes. it's the uh, I guess reward reward for you and that person on the other end of the call that messenger or that text that. Hey, there's someone here that actually cares about me that probably needed this when they were going through it. And now they're stepping up and giving it to them.
1: Yes. I live in a small town. So there's, and there's a lot of small towns out there and people don't always necessarily have a place to go or someone to call or a way to, you know, get help. And, you know, they're in this spiral where they think they're crazy. And they think that the only way out is, is, is suicide because that's the only way that they can find to escape. And, that's not the case. And, and I'm here and the book is here to tell people that, hey, it doesn't have to be that way. There is a much better life on the other side. You know, I went from, you know, I was very suicidal. I was looking at, at guardrails and cliffs on the way to work every day going, you know, if I just hit the gas real hard, you know, oh, wow. and I could laugh about that now, but Um, it was, it was devastating. I remember crying all the way to work, but now I look back and I'm like, you know, that's that's so sad, but it's so empowering to know that I went from that to someone who is giving back and is able to help other people to realize that life is so much better on the other side of this and you can escape. You know, it is possible to live a good life, and I'm getting married in June, and I'm excited, and my life is completely different than what it was a couple of years ago.
0: Congratulations on your nuptials uh, this coming June. Hopefully, it's uh, able to have some guests there, and we're not all locked down for whatever reason this year. Uh,
1: yeah, June should be nice,
0: hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: we're going to Florida to get married, so that's a little scary, because you never really know, because I'm all the way in Ohio, so I'm like, oh, <laughs> but we have
0: I was just stuck in really Florida for there, a day.
1: So.
0: So I was just yeah. stuck there for a day thanks to an airplane, but uh, it was beautiful and it was wide open. So I think you'll be fine.
1: Yes. Yes. And we've been down there a few times and not had any um, trouble with COVID. So
0: good, good. That's always good. So, how yes. long after your uh, your first husband died when you were young, 30 years old, how long after his death did you wind up in a relationship with your your second, uh, uh, I guess, the tumultuous relationship?
1: Well, um, he wasn't actually my first. He was in there a little bit. I've had some, I had a really bad childhood and I had some childhood abuse and that kind of um, puts you in a pattern where you tend to attract and draw people like that to you. So my relationship history is not the best, Um, but I'd say it was about six weeks in because um, six weeks after his death, I started looking for a friend because I had I guess he was talking about me at work or, or something like that. But all of these people, I guess they thought I was this rich widow or something and mm-hmm. was living in subsidized housing and had absolutely nothing. And all these people just kind of like started swarming in. So I was like, OK, I need a friend. I need to make it look like I'm off the market. And that's kind of how he came along. And I tried to maintain a just friendship kind of thing. And he just kind of slowly wore me down. Um, so way too soon
0: way too soon <laughs> definitely the window was uh, wasn't open wide enough yet yeah so and uh that, wow. that's that's kind of odd that everyone thought you were the rich widow even though all the other factors were involved and i'm sure they thought because insurance pays out right away and everyone makes millions of dollars if someone dies in their life that's not always the case it's definitely not always the case for everybody
1: and yeah we didn't have insurance
0: <laughs> they, especially young young couples they don't think about that they don't think they're uh they think they're invincible they don't think it's going to happen to them at that age so it's hard to plan that out most couples do not unless they're really forced upon them Uh, so you wound up in this relationship how long did you stay with him until you realized hey this just isn't right
1: um it was a few years I think that I figured it out I was starting to figure it out before we got married but I kind of felt pushed into it um because he was living with me because he was living in a bad situation with his, um, mother and grandmother. And so, you know, I felt bad for him. So I had to move in with, with me and my kids. And then I tried to get him to leave and he wouldn't leave. And then I have the, on the other hand, I have like family members who are very strictly really religious and, you know, bless their hearts, you know, they, their hearts were in the right place, but, um, I ended up, feeling so guilty about him living there and then not being able to get him away that I eventually married him and and made the most of it and it was okay for a while but as I started to heal from the trauma and get more distance from where my husband had died I I started to realize a lot of things because whenever he died I definitely was not ready for another relationship I wasn't ready to be married but I didn't really have a lot of control i did not make a lot of the best decisions and so i ended up in this relationship and a few years later i'm like okay this isn't good and then one day um my youngest actually i was tucking her into bed and she looks at me and she's like mommy i want a new daddy and i'm like oh god <laughs> oh. It, it was it was so sweet and so sad and i'm like what do you do with that you know because it just kind of got to the point where you know we were living in subsidized housing by the time she had said that i had you know went back to school i got a little associate's degree in business i was you know working my way up and and figuring out how to provide for us and he's sitting on the couch playing video games and you know, so i started spending more and more time away from home and that kind of gave me enough air to kind of realize what was going on, and then it became more about okay, how do I survive this? How do I get out of this? And and I think that realization of what's going on because you don't really know at first because it is such um, a progression and it can happen so slowly.
0: And I think that that also adds to not leaving right away because you don't really see it right away until like your daughter said that to you. That was your eye opener, your your gut punch, your stabbing a heart hey, we got to do something different here, mom, because this isn't right for you or us. And I think that happens to a lot of people.
1: Yeah, she was only like eight or nine years old. And I think when you're going through that, you're thinking, well, you know, maybe I just don't love him enough because, you know, this happened to me. And, you know, maybe I'm just maybe it's not puppy love anymore, you know, and there's all these ways that you can rationalize it. And, and that's what you do because you don't want to think that you're in one of those situations, but sometimes you most definitely are. I mean, not always, but sometimes, you know, what, what your heart is feeling is the truth. And, and I really want to express that that's, it's not just women that go through this, but men go through it too.
0: So. It's definitely, um, yeah, both uh, men and women go both go through it and both have that feeling that it's their fault if they're, if they're feeling that. So they have that feeling of guilt that, They're the reason why they're getting in trouble with their their, uh, relationship partner. And then they stay too long. And like you said earlier, you wanted to drive through a guardrail. You were looking for ways to end it. And that's not how you're supposed to feel ever. But you didn't realize that at that time because you thought you were the problem, really. You're blaming yourself. And I'm sure that's a lot of people you get to, you have the honor to try to help now are going through the same thing.
1: Yes. Yes, I I really hope that, you know, it's something that people grab a hold of and they they read the book, they you know, they tell a couple people and these people are able to kind of recognize what's happening to them and and how they're feeling and how common it is because we all say that and there's the me too movement and there's all these things, you know, that people are talking about but they're not really talking about it you know they're like oh well escape abuse and and all of this and they're not really sh- talking about it in a way that that makes people feel that they're not alone all oh, right definitely. they're not ta- they're, they're coming up with cute little words to call it oh you know he's they're just uh gaslighting you that's i forgot the word there for a second sorry <laughs> just, it's just gaslighting you know, and that's a fancy name for a really horrible situation. And, but it doesn't, it's just kind of like glossing over it because nobody really wants to talk about it. You know, it's, it's my hope that my story, you know, all of the hell that I went through will be for good.
0: Definitely. And you brought up the Me Too movement. And like you said, it's a movement for the media. I believe that's all the Me Too movement was. It was for big names and the Me Too movement was meant to take down big names, but not take care of little people, the people like yourself that are in the trenches, that are fighting this fight right live, and the people that you're helping through your advocacy, that the Me Too movement was basically a look at me thing, but not a look at you thing, and not look at those who were actually suffering, and I think what you're doing is way better than what that movement ever could do.
1: I hope so, because um, I don't think the I don't think the Me Too movement did what it could have. Um, I think it might've scratched the surface, maybe a little bit, Um, but to really dive in deep and say, hey, this is exactly what happened to me because I write in a very visual, very descriptive way, um, but also in a way where anybody can relate. Um, One of the things that I did in the writing of this book is I never gave Sheila a description, not ever. So you have no idea what she looks like. So you can put yourself in that position. You can put your neighbor into that position or your daughter or your mother or your sister. You know, if you know somebody who's been through this, this is a great tool for people that have been through it. And for people who, you know, know someone and they want to understand, you know, you're going to experience it a little bit.
0: Definitely. I think the way you wrote it without the description will help those put their own face in there or their own their own description in there to say hey that's me that, that this book is written about and I need to take that step through that wall and make my life better see the light and drive forward uh, when you went through this I'm sure your mental health took a, a toll I mean not just through that portion first you lost your husband at early age that's a mental that's a mental leap too and then you went through this so that's another mountain to climb mental health wise did you realize that or was it after you realized that you were in a, the abusive relationship that you sought help for your mental health as well?
1: I started seeking mental health um, pretty early and it kind of was an on again, off again thing because I really just didn't have much time because I was working. Um, I became the, the store manager of a jewelry store. It took a long time to get there and it was just a whole lot of work. So I was gone like 60 hours a week. And. Eventually, though, I thought I was going completely crazy. And he was he was really helping confirm that and make it seem way worse than it was. And um, I had depression, I had PTSD, I had, um, they said that I had characteristics of bipolar, they said I had characteristics of borderline personality disorder. <clears throat> and because I wasn't making the best decisions at time, they tried to put me on lithium, which for some people that's great, but that was kind of a wake up call for me. And I'm like, I'm not this person, you know, this isn't really who I am. I'm not these things. And later on, I kind of realized, you know, that those were just trauma responses because whenever you're going through trauma, you know, there everybody hears about fight or flight, but sometimes you freeze. And one thing that you don't hear about is fawning. And that's whenever you kind of just blend in, you make peace, you just kind of go with the status quo to kind of preserve your own life.
0: Definitely. And that, like, I'm glad you brought up the, the fight or flight. And that's what a lot of victims go into. They, they realize that they, they can fight or they can flee or they can sit there and get that Stockholm syndrome and become one with their captor at that time, or their their abuser for better better term than captor, I guess they both go coincide in that point, because they're capturing your emotions, they're capturing your your well-being, and that Stockholm syndrome makes you more resonate towards the abuser than towards you, and you lose that sense of you the whole time, and I think you've made that step, that positive step forward, not just for you, but for all those that you help now, in the writing of the two books, And, and your advocacy, that's probably the biggest portion the books will help those who you can't speak to right there in Ohio but the books will reach the masses how does that make you feel that you're able to get that story out like that
1: um so whenever when I first started sending it out to beta readers and they started saying hey you know I've seen myself in this and you know, I have people that have, that have already read it, that are set to review it and everything, because that's just how you, how you do things. Um, It's, it's very powerful, and it it makes me very happy, but it's also very, very sobering, because it's, it's a huge responsibility, and it's very serious, and it's, it's already more than what I thought it was going to be, you know, because, you know, writing, you're like, man, if I can just get to one or two people, that can read this. If I can just help one or two, and we're way past that already, and um, the book isn't even released yet. <laughs> so, and I, <laughs> um, I remember, it one of the, I mean, it's just, it's overwhelming. It's surreal, but it's beautiful, because as people read it, and as I talk to people, I'm, I always tell them, and like I almost feel like a nag, but I'm like. If you need anything, <laughs> mm-hmm. please message me, and and I I really mean that, and I'm going to try to stick to that. You know, anybody that that starts to read it and and they want to talk, um, try to reach out to me, you know, and I'll do the best that I can to get to you. I don't know how big this is going to get or how small it'll stay, but I'm going to try to be there for people as much as I can, um, or find other people that c- that can help them. Um, I think one of my biggest surprises was that whenever I started putting it out there and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm gonna stick with like female publishers and female contact people. And my greatest champions have all been men, all of them. And um, my publisher, he, he just told me how powerful it was before they even accepted it for publication. He's like writing, me, he's like, man, I've read this book and it's so powerful and this needs to get out there like we're still going through the process so this is an official offer but and uh, but it is very sobering and I don't know what's going to happen but I think something is happening
0: uh, like you said it's it's a sobering feeling just helping one person's great when you had the one on one call that's a great call now you're doing you two x because you don't know how many people are picking up that book having their cry while reading it Hiding in their in their bathroom, reading it, or wherever they are, reading it in their nook and crying. And I wish I can hug this woman for writing this. And they're probably, their hearts are pounding, your hearts pounding because you know it's happening. It's happening right now. And you're, you're blood, you're getting that in a hole, that rush of feeling. I actually helped someone today. And that's an amazing feeling. And you should pat yourself on the back a little bit for that. And also for breaking through the barrier that you had to make it to this point and still be sitting there talking to me.
1: It was actually, um, Getting the book out there was actually the hardest thing because, um, whenever we first managed to split up, if, if I said anything to anybody, because I mean, you want to talk, you need to talk. Sometimes you need to share, and well, at least I'm one of those people. And like, if if I live in a small town, so like, if he heard anything through the grapevine, then he was calling me or messaging me or, or stopping by where I was working and like literally stalking and telling me, you know, if. Um, if you say anything, you know, I'm gonna tell them everything that you did and, and I did some bad stuff. And so I was afraid to say anything because I just didn't wanna get stalked. I didn't wanna hear from him. I didn't want those things to happen. And so actually writing it was one thing, putting it out there was quite another. And uh, that was like the last stronghold that he had. And it was, really, really difficult. So to be here and and to be in this situation is, is, is very empowering. I remember whenever I started putting it out there and I'm like, okay, I need some protection. So I, uh, I bought a gun and I got my concealed carry and, (laughs) you know, I, I I learned about things, you know, (laughs) um, just in case, but I've, I remember sitting there thinking, you know what, and, like, this is going to sound so dramatic, and I'm sorry, but it's so true. I remember that because I, I actually filed a police report because I wanted, like, if they try to come against me, even though I changed names, you know, I changed descriptions, I changed hobbies, you know, and I'm using a pen name and I'm calling it a fictional retelling. Um, if he tries to come after me for anything, here's the police report. Here's where I filed, you know, for a protection order. Here's all of this. Uh, and I remember sitting there in my car thinking, you know what, I'm going to do this. I have to do this. This is about more than me. This book has to get out there and I need to protect myself as much as possible. But if something happens to me, at least I've done the right thing.
0: Yeah, you definitely did the right thing and protecting yourself and getting the writing out there is not just helping you, it's helping everybody. And that's great things if you can give advice to someone that is in the situation on how to recognize the signs and and what to do next, what would that be?
1: You need to listen to your heart. You really do because you're, you know, if you're going through this, a part of you knows um, and you're just kind of denying it, you know, reach out. There's tons of Facebook groups um, that I'm in that can help you. You can reach out to me if you have questions. I recommend getting the book, um, not just because I want to make a sale, because it can be used as a tool. Um, get a journal. Start talking about how you're feeling. If it's not safe to do that, then um, try to find someone. You know, find your crisis centers. There's um, Rain. There's Voices Beyond Assault. Um, There's a lot of local chapters as well where that are across the country that should be able to help you and just be able to talk to you, you know, get into therapies, find somebody that is uh, trained in trauma. But believe yourself. I think that's one of the things that you have to really realize is that there comes a point where you don't believe yourself. But if you listen to your heart and what your mind is telling you, most of the time, it's right.
0: Definitely, uh, when, once you, that heart tells you the light turns on, you should uh, go green with that light and go forward with that with that movement. And to switch to switch gears, also as an author, that if a person wants to write a book, uh, what's what's the first thing you should do? Is a as an author, like when you found your publisher? How did you go about doing that?
1: Um, the first thing I did was, um, anytime that I get an idea, I go get a journal and. I just kind of jot everything down. And if you don't have a lot of resources, I actually wrote within the gray through email to myself. Google, that's what I did. (laughs) A lot of time. (laughs) I was, within the gray was literally written um, emailing myself. You know, I would sit down like, and I had like this one email thread and that's what it was. It was the book. And, just put pen to paper, write what you feel. Um, you know, reach out to other writers because most of the time they're there to help you. It's, it's a really good group of people. Um, you can find them just about everywhere, all over social media. And most of the writing community tries to help each other out. But if you're gonna write, just write. Don't overthink it, just do it. And once you get into those writing communities and stuff, you can find a lot of resources on on who you should contact, how you should query for an agent or how you should send out queries to publishers and and things like that. There's a lot of advice out there. But my first thing is to just write however you've got to do it, whether that's pen and paper, whether that's, you know, on napkins to start, you know, get you a little shoebox if you gotta, you know, Um, like I said, I wrote, within the gray and email.
0: That's amazing, was, I've ever heard someone do that. That's a, Your inbox is obviously full because you're able to write a book, so that's good. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I mean, I was at work all the time. So, and I was working like 60 hours a week. So I'd get a break at work and I'm sitting there on like the company laptop going or the tablet stuff going.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's workaholic, but it's, it's outstanding to get that done in that, in that method. I've never heard that before. And I think that it worked for you to say, it'll probably work for many others that never thought of that. Because everyone thinks you have to write in a Word document and then do this or in a Google doc. And that way you save it and you can go to other places. Email is always there too. It doesn't disappear. So that's a great bit of advice right there. Uh, Jenna, it's good.
1: I mean, it's it's kind of unusual, but it's not going anywhere, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It it never disappears unless uh, you have a big time name that can delete all your servers. <laughs> <Pretty awful>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but jenna thank you for taking some of your time to join us here in the Misfit nation and uh, we look forward to great things from you in the future
1: all right thank you so much for your time i've really enjoyed it
0: no problem have a good one you too you know how we do this Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on Misfit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, is an up-and-comer in any industry of music, in the arts, have them reach out to us on Missfitnation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story With the world. As always. Till next time. Be humble. Stay hungry. And keep hustling. Because we are. Fit Nation.